We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Hey y'all, welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, and I'm doing a Kansas takeover this week. So I'm so glad you're here to join me. Uh, August is National Shooting Sports Month, and I hope you're all finding a fun way to celebrate. Shooting sports provide key funding to wildlife management and conservation in North America. If you tuned into our last episode, we chatted with Patty from AFWA about the recently proposed Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And in that conversation, the Federal Aid and Wildlife Restoration Act, or more commonly known as the Pittman-Robinson or PR Act, came up. So the PR Act was passed in 1937 and dictates that excise taxes placed on firearms, archery, equipment, and ammunition, um, and any resulting funds from that be used for wildlife management and conservation. So target shooters make some of the largest of these contributions, and August is all about them. Happy National Shooting Sports Month, all. So if you're a recreational shooter, thank you for your contributions to conservation and for taking someone new, because if you're not taking someone new, shame on you. Kidding, but yes, thank you for your contributions to wildlife. Um, if you are new to shooting and want to learn more, um, there, whether it be about shooting safety, techniques, how to get started, or even where to go, um, check out some awesome resources provided by our partners at the National Shooting Sports Foundation. So you can go to www.letsgoshooting.org to learn more about those. This is a really awesome resource, both for beginners and seasoned shooting sports enthusiasts alike. Okay, all those plugs out of the way. I'm so excited because we have a fabulous guest on with us today. So she splits her time between Kansas and Missouri, but Kansas is totally claiming her. So it is my great pleasure to introduce Sharinda Burtz. So Sharinda is the Director of Community Affairs and the Secretary for Wilderness, a group based out of the Kansas City area focused on connecting women to the outdoors throughout Kansas and beyond. So Sharinda didn't grow up shooting and proudly wears the title of adult onset hunter and shooter. Sharinda is living proof that there is no better time to start than the present. And she now boasts one of the most impressive shotgun mounts I have ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> she was most recently recognized by the Hunters of Color as their hashtag Future Friday star. Um, so we really do have um, a Wonder Woman in our midst. So welcome, Sharinda. Thanks for having me, Tana. One of my favorite people in the Kansas area as well. Oh my gosh. We have such a like mutual fandom going. So if you guys remember one time on the podcast, I told a story about that awesome Pullman camping cot. I've talked about this cot like every three episodes, I feel like. But Sharinda, if you remember, is the one that just like crawled into my tent and got on the cot and tried it out. She's the gear junkie. She's so much fun. And she has such a gift for making people feel welcome and like family. Um, especially as they're engaging with the outdoors. So Sharinda, I'm so glad to have you here today. Um, it's so fun when you can just pop on and talk to a friend. I'm wondering if you would kind of to kick us off, introduce yourself a little bit more to our listeners by talking about maybe uh, yourself and your background and your introduction to hunting and shooting sports. Okay, well, I, I'm kind of the oddball uh, in my family. Um, I don't come from, as you mentioned, a background of firearms and especially not hunting. 
and <clears throat> I grew up an only child, I'm my mother's only child, and I do have siblings. So a lot of my activities have always kind of been solitary or, you know, if I start something, I kind of go down a rabbit hole because I just want to know all the little intricate details about things. So I like to refer to myself as, you know, try curious. I'll try it out and see if I like it. And if I don't, it's like, eh, okay, done it. I'm <laughs> moving on to something else I can do without that one. Oh my gosh. I love try curious. That's great. And as a kid, I was always the one that was every time I tried to play a sport, I broke something and it was so bad at school that I would have all these injuries at school that at one point, social services stepped in thinking my mom was abusing me until the school had oh to say, gosh. no, she actually did this. I'm serious. Broken ankles, wrists, you name it, I probably broke it. So I was oh. banned from sports, like so banned that even in high school, when I tried to go sign up for volleyball, the coaches who did not know me but knew of my name were like, Burtz, go sit your butt down. Your mom oh is not gosh. killing us. So I was kind of denied some outdoor activities as a kid. And, you know, I, you know, when you're younger, you'll, you always say, oh, and when I say younger, I mean, like in your twenties and an adult, <laughs> oh, I want to learn how to do this. And it was always a bunch of my friends. It was like, yeah, we, we want to learn how to handle firearms and go to the range. And, you know, it just never happens because you're adulting mm-hmm. and everybody's on different schedules. Oh, Yeah. And when Missouri decided that it wanted to go open carry, I was like, oh, great. There's going to be a lot of people probably carrying guns now just because they can. Maybe this will be a good opportunity or a moment to kind of figure out what I need to do. I'm like, I'm pretty sure at some point somebody's going to do something silly, like maybe drop it. Maybe I have to pick it up, but I don't know how to safely do that. So as I ventured out down that little rabbit hole, um, (laughs) it wasn't, for me, it wasn't that easy to tap into learning how, Um, since I didn't come from a a family background of firearms, nobody in my family could teach me. A couple of friends that I knew that were retiring out of the military, you have this big misconception that everybody in the military knows how to shoot not so much the case. (laughs) So (laughs) I I always like to be observant. So, you know, it was a couple of times I went out with a few people and I was thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm sure it's not supposed to be what they're doing. So I need to figure this out some other kind of way. (laughs) Um, For me at the time, personal instructors were just outside of my financial ability or they were teaching classes. It's like, I'm not ready for that. It's like defensive classes. Heck, I don't even know how to load a gun. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just simple things like that. And then I wasn't real comfortable with going to the range. For one, there at the time when I was trying to learn, I didn't see many women at the range. I definitely didn't see many people of color at the range. I'm just going to be totally transparent. Everyone has their own stereotypes and thoughts. I fell in that category. I (laughs) just, you know, I felt like, oh my gosh, I may not be welcomed at the range. I feel really silly and, you know, really stupid for feeling that way now, especially since, you know, I'm actually that person that goes to the range. But 
you know, it wasn't until my um, home range introduced me to an organization called Well-Armed Woman, where I actually visited them. Because before I joined something, I try to visit and observe and see if our personalities kind of mesh well. But, you know, as soon as I walked in, these women were like, hey, come have a seat. And that was important to me. I don't like, um, especially with firearms, it's kind of awkward where you walk into a situation and no one greets you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to judge if you're if you're welcomed. And it's also nice when you go and visit organizations that they take a few seconds to get to know about you. And these ladies, they range from 20-year-old women. There were a um, variety of uh, women in that class from 20 years old up to grandmothers. And these women took me on what they dubbed field trips. Um, they got me comfortable with using a handgun. And then we ventured over into long guns. Then they got me interested in wanting to go take defensive classes. And, you know, they, they made it fun. It wasn't intimidating. It, it was, but you were comfortable and going a little bit out your comfort zone. And one day I was like, just out the blue, huh, I wonder if I could, you know, shoot clays. I have a little bit of an interest because I've always thought that was impressive to shoot something so small coming from wherever. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. But I found out about a uh, Kansas at Powder Creek has a Powder Creek Ladies League sporting clays and I joined that group not having any inkling of an idea of what I was doing and I think that has to be one of the best decisions that I made because not only were the women welcome in there as well mm-hmm. but the coaches were there as well and the coaches volunteer at their time um coaches names are Chris and Dave So I love those two guys and the women that are now um, on the board of the committee, they always make sure everyone is welcoming. And it just kind of got started from there and hunting because one of our league members, she gave me a Pheasants Forever flyer for a women's clinic they were having. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to step out my comfort zone again and just show up. I just went by myself, signed up, and that's when I got bit. So I'm going to have to say, if you fool with those Johnson County pheasants forever, guys, they're going to get you caught up in a new addiction of upland hunting. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's you have such an interesting introduction to shooting sports. It's such a cool example of like what we hope to see when someone gets into shooting sports. I think your story, Sharinda, is so relatable because, I mean, I, like you, am an adult onset hunter and shooting enthusiast. Like I, I grew up afraid of guns and it was like, my dad had grown, had grown up hunting, but he wasn't into it anymore by the time we came around or we just didn't do it very often. And, you know, I, I just, I grew up afraid of them. I just thought they were these scary things. And I love the point you made about safety. Um, you know, we see more and more about firearms on the news and usually, unfortunately, a negative connotation with those. 
And it's so important, um, whether it's on an individual level or some of our public programs, that we do share those safety components, because if someone is ever in an unsafe situation with a firearm present, um, whether or not you're going to the range every weekend doesn't really matter. But it is important that you know how to safely handle that firearm and make it safe for others in the room or in the area. So I love that you brought that point up and that that was kind of one of your motivators that got you into it. And then, uh, like you said, you got bit, you got the bug. Something, another cool thing you said was that social support. And we talk about social support with a lot with R3 and recruitment, retention, and reactivation, trying to get people into the outdoors and keep them involved. And I love that pathway you went down. It's like you went to your range and you could have just gone and shot for the day and had no interactions. But instead, that range pointed you in the direction of another group where you could continue to be involved. Um, through that, you were able to get hooked with the Pheasants Forever folks or through Powder Creek and just so many little connections you made along your pathway. I think that's so cool and so fantastic. And that's ideally the way we hope um, our our little kind of outdoor ecosystem will function with our partners. So I, I love to hear about that, Sharnda. It's definitely the kick butt group of ladies that um, I hang out with huh, when introduced me to the activity. I mentioned earlier that I'm definitely always tri-curious. I have some hard no's, but I'm definitely always willing to try something. Um, I'm going to have to say for me, especially um, with um, my background and my mom's upbringing, the educational part. I think has to be the most attractive part of learning about outdoor activities, the, the hands-on experience, the learning about species, habitat, track, even something, a simple explanation for me as to, oh, why we may toss this particular fish back. You know, just those things keep me interested. It's like being totally engrossed in what you're doing. And then for me also, I have food allergies. So learning how to hunt has been a game changer in my diet and health because I can't eat commercially processed beef. I don't eat pork at all. It um, gives me hives and it's just all kind of good. And no, I didn't get bit by a tick because <laughs> I get <laughs> that question a lot. So harvesting the deer that I've harvested and, you know, receiving nourishment from them over the year and then also, the fact that my being outdoors and learning how to hunt has, you know, created a different type of, of bond and socialization within my family because they'll actually invite themselves over for dinner. And even my mom has got to the point now where she'll be eating something and she doesn't ask anymore, what are we about to eat? She just dives in. And then oh, when man. she's done, she's like, oh, that was really good. What was that? And I'm like, it was just chicken. <laughs> and you know she's like oh it wasn't pheasant or anything I'm like oh, it was commercially bought chicken so that's been interesting or you know family saying hey if you harvest you know this species this year can you uh can I taste it or can you give me a little and show me how to cook it and I think that's that's been the most touching moment for me it's like you know there are, where, where are you getting um this week and it's like oh well, nothing because it's out of season, but I think that's been, that's been great. And then just, just learning how to harvest it myself. Um, for the most part, all of the hunts I've done, I've, I've harvested or cleaned myself. I did um, get to experience um, taking it to a butcher to get processed, which was actually kind of, kind of cool. And I was like, oh, then I can, 
on weekends and I know I may be busy or a heavy work week, I can just take it to the processor and not feel bad because I've harvested so much. Sharinda, I'm curious then, what has been the most difficult part of your hunting and shooting journey? The most difficult part for me was trying to navigate um, into getting started. One of the things I, I had told myself when I first started, I was like, man, it should not be this difficult to learn how, whether it be cost or class-wise or educational-wise. You know, I always said that, you know, eventually I would like to be a resource just based off my experience, especially for other um, women, especially for um, Black women. You know, for, for us, we, we tend to not like to get out of our comfort zone if we feel like we may not be safe in a certain environment. And, you know, I've actually had women reach out to me that I don't know even on Instagram and ask me about, hey, have you visited these ranges and what have you thought about them? And it's been great to say, you know, I like this range, the staff for whatever reason, you know, when you go in, it may look a little shady, but it's actually great. It's just more, it's an older range or, you know, this range is okay. But you're going to find that if you need help with something or working your firearm, they're not going to give you that above, go above the mile to help you work your firearm. And they're going to encourage you to, to pay for classes. So I like being able to give that advice. I've had training from a few instructors. It's kind of great to be able to give an opinion about, okay, so for me, I like this instructor for this reason, or this one was okay, but they may not work well with your personality. I just like, I like being able to share that information because that, that type of information is also important. Oh yeah. Especially when we're talking about comfort and like, especially coming from the women's perspective, it's like someone might be an absolutely phenomenal technical instructor, but if for whatever reason they make me or my friends or my family uncomfortable, um, that's an issue. And that's information that's probably not going to be out there advertised on their page, advertising classes or something. So sharing that and like making people comfortable and saying, hey, this person has my stamp of approval comes from a much more authentic place. Or, you know, when people ask, hey, I want to go get some instructors, get an instructor, do you have recommendations? And I'm like, yeah, actually I have a list. Here's where they at, you know, here, go to their site, check their fees. And I think, Hunting wise, I'm going to say the most difficult part has been accessibility. My biggest complaint, they don't really advertise within um, city structure environments on events that they're having. It's still kind of close knit. It's, it's nothing wrong with that. There's not, an, there's not an error or anything, but People such as myself that were city born and raised, we, we may not necessarily know where to go and find out about this information. When you go to websites, you may see, hey, membership, and you're like, I don't want to pay for a membership because I don't know if I like this or what needs to be done. And, you know, we're as, technolo as technologically as, as advanced as we are, some of us still don't want to click on email for inquiries. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just nice to have a person you can reach out to or figure it out. Another thing that I found difficult was when I was trying to get Hunter Ed certified. Mm -hmm. 
these classes are most of them are so far out that you know it doesn't matter what your family structure is if you are a two-parent household and you have more than one child and you have them in activities then driving an hour away to go to hunter's ed when you still have kids that have other activities just aren't feasible and I really feel like that that's why a lot of um, city born and raised folks such as myself are not hunter ed certified or don't have an interest you can't get to the class or it's areas that you don't want to drive to and I'm just not understanding like why can these not be brought into the city where you can just drive 15 20 minutes away at least do the online portion and then come do the skill portion. you know I, I get it since now I'm involved with a lot of a lot of these things but I still think it can be brought a little bit closer into the city for accessibility that was um, one of the things that was hard for me to do like I literally when I first got mine I literally had to drive 45 minutes out to go take the class yeah and then trying to find um, places to hunt as a new hunter, you need to have someone show you how to navigate public land. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for people to say, oh, you can just go online, see when the seasons are, pick a spot and go. No, it's not that easy person that's been hunting for 30 years or since you were 15. Um, you've been doing this all your life. So there's steps in the middle that you forgot or you don't think about and you know I think one of the things that I think I enjoy is that you get to get a perspective for people that have been hunting most of their life and then you have a newbie like me that's like uh-huh but I still need a shooting stick <laughs> and they're like you don't need these things I'm like uh you don't need those things but you know I do we're, we're not the same and sure I think it's important to share simple things like when I when I have attended some classes or some clinics I noticed that some people forget to tell you certain things to bring because it's just it's just so instinctual for other hunters that they don't think about oh well yeah they need to know this or they need to bring this and there's a communication gap yeah definitely my experience has been like if you show up to a class like that as an adult they assume that you have some baseline level of knowledge. And so you won't get as much attention as like, say a 16 year old in the class or something, which is, you know, is maybe fair, but at the same time, it's like, don't assume I know anything. That 16 year old probably knows more than I do. Like I'm so oh, new to this too. Exactly. And you know, one of the things that, that um, I also do is if I show up something for the first time I've never done, I give the disclaimer, Hey, I have no background in this. This is my first time. Today's time in society we live in. Like, I remember when I went on my first wild pheasant hunt, you know, I told the guide, I was like, well, I've never done a wild pheasant hunt. I, you know, I have these passive earplugs in my ear. I was like, disclaimer, you're going to need to yell at me. I am not going to be upset. You need to yell at me so I can hear you. And if you see me about to step somewhere or do something, you know, don't hesitate to tap me on the shoulder or, you know, maybe grab my elbow for attention. It's okay to touch shoulder and elbow because, you know, I've seen some uh, guys, especially the men, you know, they want to like instinctively protect you or reach out and grab you if they see they're about to step in a hole, but then they're struggling like, oh, 
I can't touch without permission. Cause, right, yeah. And so I, I make sure that I give that disclaimer. Hey, grab a shoulder, grab an elbow. I, that's so, I think that's like a um, an advantage that we have as women is our power of clear communication. And that's, and I understand that doesn't apply to all women. That's a generalization, but that's something I struggle with when hunting with like my male family members and stuff is sometimes it seems like men just assume things and it's like, I don't, somebody needs to tell me what is going on. And they just kind of like assume and there's no communication with them. And I'm very much like, no, over communicate to me. I need to know what's going on. But I think as women, that kind of gives us a power to, um, really kind of be in control of our environment, make sure that we're feeling safe and comfortable and that others around us do too. So I understand it's a little bit different, but yeah, just, just one of those weird things. Yeah. And I think the, the more that I've submersed myself into becoming an outdoor woman, you know, the more, the more unabashed and the less I worry about if I sound stupid, I, was, I don't care how stupid the question sounds. I'm going to ask because I don't know. I still consider myself a newbie. And versus someone that's trying to teach me, it's like, I I don't know these things. And, you know, I've also come to learn that if I ask a question and the response I get is like, "Ah, after this experience, we're, we're done. (laughs) You're not a good mentee for me, maybe for somebody else. But if you don't have patience for me as a new person, then I'll just know anything that comes up in the future we're not working together and that's (laughs) okay because Mm -hmm. not everyone is meant to work together just like not everyone is meant to be friends you know not everyone a mentor and a mentee are not always meant to be paired together it's a really good point it's like we're not out to shame any mentors for doing anything or any mentees for that matter either it's just finding the right fit for you and it's tough um if you're ever in a situation where it's not a good fit with your mentor it can be hard not to get discouraged or to let that overshadow your experience or your introduction to that activity. But, you know, be like Sharinda and, and power through that and uh, try to find someone that is a better match. I really like that advice, Sharinda. You earlier kind of brought up hunter education and some of the accessibility constraints, um, issues getting access to that in more urban areas or even on like a shorter notice, shorter timeline. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, I know one of your passions is introducing newbies to hunting and shooting activities that you obviously love. Um, and especially people in more urban areas, like you mentioned, without a lot of exposure to these activities. Activities growing up. What have you found to be the most effective in introducing somebody new to hunting or target shooting? Is it just simply asking? Invite. Uh, I have strangely noticed that women want you to invite them. Mm-hmm. They don't like to impose or submerge themselves without an invitation. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, you know, just the last few months, I thought about that. Like I've had women say to me you should invite me and I was like there's always an open invitation and I was think I was getting frustrated for a second like why do I personally have to invite you just come and then I was like oh Sharenda you're turning into that somewhat seasoned person send the invite you never know if someone has an interest until you add they may not know they have an interest until you ask or invite them also you have to be willing if you want someone to try something that you love then I think it needs to be reciprocated you need to try something that they love like I love shotgun shooting I don't care what we're shooting at if it's a shotgun involved I love it (laughs) 
<laughs> but on the same aspect, a lot of my women associations, they like fishing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't dislike fishing. I just didn't know how to fish. So now that I'm learning how to fish, it's like, huh, kind of get this. Also, keep in mind that not everyone moves on your same time frame or submerse themselves into outdoor activities like you do. I don't have children, so I have the luxury to just get up and go when I'm not required to adult and go to work. But if someone told me in January that they want to learn how to shoot clays and here it is August and we still haven't done anything, don't assume that that's just all talk and no show. They have a life and they have to adult too. And especially if they have children, you know, they kind of COVID happened, um, hybrid school happened, you still have to work, you got summer school to deal with, school's coming back up, you know, maybe October, November, that person may be able to become active and just, you know, and then occasionally, I've noticed that women that reach out to me and say, hey, I want to learn how to do this, or I want to learn how to hunt, or can I go? They're, they're serious, but they have that timeline. And you may not necessarily, you, I don't want to be that person personally that keeps nagging you. Hey, you want to go hunt? You want to go hunt? You want to go shoot clays? You want to go to the right? I don't want to be that person. I don't want it to be every. So I've had to learn that um, with some, some women, they want to know that you still have an interest in them. And it doesn't hurt, you know, every two months, hey, just checking in on you and seeing what your schedule is looking like. You know, I'm still open to do this. If you still have an interest, no pressure. And I've gotten like, oh gosh, I was just thinking about you. And I know you think I'm full of crap. And it's like, no, I I know life happens. Yeah. And you're ready. Just know I'm here. I love your um, ability to consider all the multitude of perspectives out there, Sharinda. I really admire that about you. And I think that's what makes you kind of a good mentor for people to look up to and for people to see your experience and go, oh yeah, she's considering where I'm coming from. So I think that's really cool. You guys know I work for uh, Kansas Wildlife and Parks. And something that we struggle with is recruiting new mentors. And I want to talk about that a little bit because Sharinda, you're such a good example of what we hope happens. So there seems to be this misconception that you have to be an expert in the subject matter to serve as a mentor. And I really want to take the time today to dispel that because, um, you know, there is no like hard, fast line where it's like, okay, now you're qualified to share your knowledge, share whatever knowledge you have. You can go out with somebody and the two of you can be brand new and mentor each other at the same time and share what little bits you do know. Um, the first deer that my partner and I took together, we were both like, it was our first deer for both of us outside of like a other mentored situation. And we were just out there struggling, doing everything wrong and learning from each other and asking each other questions. And I just, I don't want people to be afraid of that. You do not have to be an expert in the subject matter to serve as a mentor. The best thing you can do is just share whatever knowledge you do have. And Sharinda, you've dove right into that. I mean, obviously you're more of an expert now. You have really just have shared your knowledge with folks from day one. And if you don't know something, you're not afraid to say, Hey, I'm not sure we can find these resources and look into it. I just think that's something really cool that you do as well. Oh, thanks. It's still, I still feel like I am not a mentor. (laughs) It's kind of of weird. And, And, you know, it's like, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. 
and each time I interact with another person that's introduced me to the outdoors or we're just doing it together, I learn something. Even if I don't learn anything, it's just great to have a different perspective for you to reflect back on later and then realize, huh, I still learned something because eh, no, you could do one more extra twist of a night and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I said earlier, we were going to talk about hunter education because this is important. Part of that like issue we have recruiting mentors also comes back to hunter education. So in Kansas, our, our base of hunter education instructors are volunteers, and we are so, so thankful for them. But like the hunting community in general, our volunteers are starting to age out of the system. Most of them are male. Most of them are older. And so while we're so thankful for their contributions, and they've shared so much over their years that they've dedicated to volunteering their time uh, to educating others about hunter education, we do need to have folks ready to kind of step in and help take over that legacy that, that they've created. And so I want to encourage folks, it goes back to the, you don't have to be an expert to be a mentor. Consider getting certified as a hunter education instructor. It is super, super simple to do. And then you can put these hunter education classes on yourselves or help organize them. And the great thing about that is that there are a network of um, qualified hunter education instructors out there that can come and help you. So even as, you know, a non-expert, just a couple of years into hunting, I can organize a class for my community and pull on that network of instructors to help me put that class together and to help me make something available. So I'm not necessarily the greatest wing shooting coach. So when I organize a hunter education class, I pull on some of those more experienced mentors and say, hey, can you come help me with this portion of the class? I'll teach trail walk or I'll do firearm safety or something else that I might know a little bit more about. So if you are wanting to see more opportunities in your urban areas, I encourage you guys to get certified in hunter education or talk to your mentors and mentees about, or your mentors, excuse me, about putting on a class. Um, we need more volunteers in those urban areas that can help us put on those classes for their local communities. So Sharinda, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very valid complaint that you've had or something that you've noticed. You know, we need to do a better job and we're looking to do that, but it's a system that relies on volunteers. So we need your help as well especially for female instructors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which that's on, on my goal list for this year. Well, I think I've bugged you about it. I am going to, now that we have in-person classes, I am going to, I, I'm certain hunters ed certified in Missouri, but I'm going to take um, the hunters ed certification for Kansas. So then I can then work on becoming an instructor and then I would like to do the same on Missouri that way, because I live literally right on the state line. So I would like to be available to um, work on both sides of state line because, you know, I, I, I'm a hybrid. I'm a Missouri-Kansas person. <laughs> <laughs> we, we try to ignore the Missouri side, but no, I'm oh, kidding. You got to show the Missouri love. Too. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, we love Missouri. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> That's so cool. And, I, and I'm glad you're looking into doing that, Sharinda, um, because I think that'll just, that'll be awesome. And it's one more tool in your tool belt. Um, so then what advice do you have for newbies? So for women and families looking to adopt hunting or shooting sports into their busy calendars, what advice do you have for those folks? Um, my advice is to sign up and subscribe at wilderness.org. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I love it. No, actually, I'm plug. not kidding. Sign up for organizations such as ours at wilderness.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll give the details on that later. I think a resource that is 
overlooked and it was like the community's treasure that I found out from a gentleman talking to me at Walmart, the conservation. Kansas and Missouri both offer a plethora of classes. Now, some of them may not be easy to get to, but then you have places like in Missouri, such as the Nature Center that are in city areas. They have so many entry-level classes to offer. Um, most of those, actually, I think, I'm going to say disclaimer, not 100% sure, but most of those classes are free. I'm going to say they are free. All the ones I've took have been free. Um, they've been great stepping stones to get started. They also offer education and resources as well, but you still need to actively seek organizations that will take you further and get you out of your comfort zone. You don't always want to be entry level. You want to focus on growing into being more of an expert hunter or outdoors. So those are good foundations to look into. Also, if you're joining an organization before you commit to join, ask these organizations, can you visit them a couple of times? One of them, they'll know that you're coming. Second one, just sign up for something without saying, hey, I'm going to come to class just so you can see the type of interactions that you'll have, the personality that you have. Observe the people that you will technically be working with or depending on in the outdoors and just make sure that the personalities click well. Personalities don't uh, click, you're not going to enjoy it. That's just my personal perspective on that. Also, don't be afraid to reach out to organizations such as Quails Forever, Pheasants Forever, Conservations as well, and ask them, let them know that you're interested in doing this. Is there something coming up? Because sometimes they don't get things published or they have a timeline where they can publish stuff, but they'll tell you if they're going to do something or if they see there's an interest, they may just go ahead and schedule it even though it wasn't planned. I found that out by calling a couple of conservations and saying, hey, I'm interested in learning how to reload. Do you guys teach that? Oh, we used to 15, 20 years ago, but there's not an interest. Uh, what if I, you know, I asked, well, well, how many people do you need to do a class? And they told me they needed at least 10. It's like, I got 10 ladies that will sign up <laughs> if you schedule the class. And they did it. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It's like, you know, from my only child experience, worst they can tell you is no. So you might as well just ask the question because you're either going to get a yes, a no. And to me, a maybe is a yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. And then don't be afraid to... I think a problem that some women have is that um, you don't want to feel like you're using people or accepting handouts. Ladies, girls, just drop that attitude. If someone offers to lend you something, borrow the stuff. <laughs> I love it. Don't feel like you have to go out and drop thousands of dollars or have the top of the line thing to go out and accomplish to what you um, set your goal and your sights for. Also, don't go out and spend a whole bunch of money for gear for an activity you haven't tried. Like mm -hmm. for me, when I was learning how to pheasant hunt, I didn't necessarily go out and spend money on stuff. I got cheap boots for 30 bucks. I got a $10 vest from Shields that had a pocket in the bag because someone told me I want that okay. and a shell bag. Well, I went and I did it at uh, Pheasants Forever Clinic. I liked it. It kept increasing and increasing. 
And then I decided, nope, I need, I'm, I'm plus size too. I was like, nope, I need a vest or a strap vest because I don't want everything closed up getting hot. It needs to hold my coffee cup because one thing, if you see Sharenda, Oh my gosh. With a coffee cup. Yeah. With coffee in it. It needs to hold my water. It needs to hold a snack. And I want to be comfortable. So I went and I got a $60 vest. Of course, that was two years later. Um, boots. Oh no, I need them to feel like tennis shoes. Watch for a sale. Or, you know, things like such as fishing. Well, here, people that try my fishing pole great. I think I like this one. Or no, you don't need to go buy this. Try my stuff. It's like, oh, okay. I, you know, I've discovered I may like your product, but I think I want the extra part that's going to hold on to my, my coffee cup. So I'm going to spend the $10, you know, don't be, don't feel like it's a handout because one thing I have learned about the hunting community is that it's one of the most giving communities. It's definitely one of the most giving communities. And then you'll even find, you may even find yourself such, such as myself where people use me as a relay station. Hey, I was cleaning out my room and I found this stuff here. I'm giving this to wilderness. Just some lady's going to come up and need it. Just give it to her or use it, use it at clinics. And it's like, oh, that's so great. You know, it's, or you get new stuff. Hey, I saw these for a dollar. Here, give these to ladies that show up that don't have it. So it's kind of great when someone says, hey, I just bought shotgun I need to go get this like no you don't right here's here's a bag that I got for free here's glasses here's passive ears save yourself 40 bucks take this free stuff that may even be new so yeah definitely try it before you buy it if you can and then also don't feel disappointed in yourself if you don't harvest anything Take away something that you learn. If not even an animal shows up, you learned that this ear may, you know, this sound may be a bunch of squirrels. That's what that bird looks like. Or you're going to take away something. Definitely have the mindset that when you're going outdoors, and especially if you're going to hunt, you're going out there to get something. But don't feel like a failure if you don't. It's just part of the process. Not every hunt that you go on is going to be a successful hunt, but you did it. Yeah, that's good to point out too. Sometimes I feel, I don't know, maybe it might be a woman thing. It might just be a crazy Tana thing, but I feel guilty when I'm out there sometimes, especially on days where I sit, you know, for multiple days a week and I'm not bringing home food to put in the freezer, um, you know, for our little family, like I feel guilty about that, which I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, that's unhealthy. And this is like Tana time in the woods and it's good, but, um, you know, you can have success without, without harvesting something and that's, it can be hard to accept, but, um, it's definitely, definitely possible. Yep, it is. And let's see, what's the, uh, get a good knife. You definitely Ooh, yeah. want, definitely mm-hmm. want good knives. Yeah, that's the advice that I have. Oh, and a comfy chair. (laughs) Your chair can make or break a moment for you. That has a coffee cup holder. That has a coffee cup holder (laughs) and quiet snacks. Definitely quiet snacks. Women love their snacks. (laughs) Make sure your wrappers aren't noisy. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man everything is like 20 times louder in the woods too you're like oh my gosh I didn't ever think this would be that loud it is oh and don't worry about you know I get so many people that I'm a gear junkie everybody knows that oh yeah and I have people that tell me oh you don't need this you don't need that no so advice is always welcome but at the end of the day no one knows what you need better than what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily disclaim all of issues I have. Like I had a torn meniscus disc last year that I elected not to get the surgery. And I hunted on that for two and a half seasons, like literally walking. And I never told anybody about that except for a couple of people. So if I stopped a lot and told people to go ahead, you know, the, the, you know, the guys would joke and be like, hey, are you going to tap out? Are you going to keep out? It didn't hurt my feelings. I'm like, no, I'm tired. Go ahead. But, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, shoot, I got a messed up knee. But I still did this six miles. They tell me, you don't need that vest. And I'm like, I'm a plus size girl. I hold more heat than you do. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, little things like that. Or you don't need that backpack. Well, I have scoliosis. Yes, I do need that backpack. And mm-hmm. you know, little things like, you know, take into, take into consideration what people are saying to you and don't automatically be defensive because someone gives you advice that you don't necessarily want. They're giving you advice because they care. Sure. Man, sure. And that dropping wisdom on us this morning. I have my moment. I'm fascinated. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, I, it's my turn to do a plug actually, because I, there are a few resources that I want to point folks to if they are new to hunting or looking to get into hunting. Um, of course, hunter education is very important. However, like Sharinda said, sometimes you want to try something before you decide if you're going to commit to it. Um, so we do have a really awesome thing called an apprentice license in Kansas. So this license is valid for one year. And um, you can, it's the same cost as a regular license, and it allows you to forego hunter education for that year. Now, here's the caveat. If you have the apprentice license, anytime you hunt, you must be accompanied by a licensed adult um, age 18 or over for the entirety of your hunt. And that means directly accompanied and supervised by not in a tree stand 300 yards away. Um, but it's a really great thing. If you're not 100% sure you're ready to commit, to take hunter education, to do all those things, buy that apprentice license and find a mentor or a family member or a friend to hunt with and give it a try. And if you like it, great. If not, no big deal. Um, you know, it was just that one-time fee of like $27.50 and then you're done. You never have to do it again if you don't like it. Um, and that money does go back to supporting wildlife management and conservation. So really um, just consider it a donation to the wild places that you love and no skin off your back. So check out that apprentice license if you're interested. That's a really, really good one. You can get it for uh, get it up to two times, so then it would be valid for um, two years in total if you buy it both times. But after that, you are required to go ahead and get your hunter education if you continue to hunt. So keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that especially with COVID, hunter education classes can be a little bit harder to get into um, just because sometimes we're having trouble hosting those. So um, be, be aware of that. So don't buy the apprentice license for two years and the day your apprentice license expires, be like, okay, well, I got to get in a hunter education class tomorrow because the season starts next week. Um, <laughs> try to plan ahead a little bit more. We get that call fairly often. So, uh, but definitely check out the apprentice license. Yep. Um, and you know, 
that's a good example of like things that people that hunt on a regular forget about. Like I knew about that program, but I definitely Mm -hmm. forget to mention it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it it flies under the radar. We don't advertise it super heavily, um, but it's, it's really important. That's what I started hunting with. I got that apprentice license and was like, okay, great. This is something I can try. Um, Especially if something comes up where you have a pal like Sharinda that invites you to go out with them. Um, and you're like, oh no, I don't have hunter education. I can't come hunting with you this weekend. Well, buy that apprentice license and, you know, you're with a certified adult. You can go out and experience that hunt, whether you just want to sit and watch, or, um, if you want to consider harvesting an animal yourself, it's a great thing to, to consider. Um, another one I want to point folks to is our special hunts program. So if you're not aware, our special hunts program allows exclusive access to areas of managed land for different hunts. Um, So it's an application program that would basically give you access to an area of land where you can hunt. We have um, mentored hunts. We have open hunts that anybody can apply for. We have youth and disability hunts as well. So um, if you're looking to get out on a hunt and you're a little bit nervous about just venturing out onto some random public land um, with no one to guide you and no idea of who else might be out there, consider our special hunts program because it's a, it's a great program. Like I said, it's by application, so it's not guaranteed, but you can apply for multiple different hunts in multiple different areas. And hopefully if you get selected, then you have a little bit more exclusive access to an area. So it depends on where you're hunting and which hunt you apply for. Um, I think the last one I did was out in Atchison with Amy, who we've had on the podcast before. She was awesome and harvested her first year out there. Um, but I think in that time, we ha- there were like six people allowed to be on the area, three special hunt drawings, and each person could bring one more with them. So it is a big, beautiful area, super well managed. They do a great job managing that area out there. And um, it felt so much better and safer to kind of be in a controlled environment to Amy as a newbie and to have that access knowing that we were in an area specifically managed um, you know, with some of those conservation priorities in mind that we knew exactly who was supposed to be in the area and how many. So it, it was a really good thing. Do check out our special hunts program. Um, you can find out more information about that program or send in your application at ksoutdoors.com slash hunting slash special dash hunts dash information. That's a long one. You can also go to our website at ksoutdoors.com and either search special hunts or pull that down from the hunting tab. So do check those out because they're great ones to get involved with. I, I have to agree. I harvested my first um, whitetail on one of those hunts. And it's, oh, the I didn't one, know that. it's my, uh, my mount. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the, the first whitetail that I successfully harvested and it was with a shotgun, which um, it, it was, oh God, that was like one of the best days ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where were you at? We, I was out on the Missouri side at Burroughs Woods at their managed doe hunt. I'm sorry. No, it wasn't doe. It was just the managed hunt. We were allowed um, one buck, one doe mm-hmm. if we wanted. And the first thing my, my mindset was I'm not here. Whatever sticks its head out legally first is what's going home. And it just mm-hmm. so happened to be my little, my little Bucky, my little five point, I think. Oh, nice. And I mounted him in a pack mount like he was like 52 points and like the biggest thing <laughs> out there. And it's he's uh, in my living room looking all gorgeous and majestic. I love that mount, Sharinda. I don't know what you paid for it, but it was worth every penny. If you guys aren't familiar with pack mounts, um, I you should Google it. It's basically it looks like 
if you were to be out in the field and harvest a deal a deer and you put it on a pack and like rolled up the pelt and then stuck the head on top just like you were going to trek it out of the woods um that's what this mount looks like and so it's so cool and rustic and I like it because sometimes the the head and shoulder mounts give me a little bit of weird vibes (laughs) just it kind of seems very like um doministic like yeah sportsman and there's there's nothing wrong with it if you love head mounts but um I I like that mount you did Sharinda it's really cool I love that mount um I, you know, I don't think there's a problem with me sharing how much I paid for it. Um, oh, yeah. It was yeah, $600. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally didn't pay for all of that myself. Um, my family chipped in here and there for like my, my birthday gift. So oh, yeah, it was a I win-win like situation there. Plus, they got to eat all eat all of it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the gentleman is local cannot think of his name but heck if anybody wants to uh reach out to me later on facebook or email i'll have his name it took him six months which is average um it's a beautiful mount he has a great reputation and he's in raytown missouri by me saying that i bet you there'll probably be like a bunch of people saying oh yeah i know exactly who that is Um, well, and Sharonda, if we think of his name or, or if you think of his name and contact information, we can always drop that in the show notes for today later when we okay. post the episode. Awesome. And mm. yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to search for his name. I have him saved because I'll definitely be using him in the future for, for other, other mounts that I, I may choose to get, but it, it's a, it was a beautiful mount or it is a beautiful mount. Yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, if um, if you're looking to save a little bit of money, if you're interested in learning how to preserve the hides and like tan the pelts and all that, I don't know all the right terminology, but that's something that Jacob's gotten into and he's he's really good at it, but that's cool. So that's, that's an option as well. Um, obviously, when it comes to taxidermying the head, like that is a little bit more intensive and that's not something that we've we dove into yet, but lots of, lots of different options there. So Sharinda, that seems like a great price. I'm excited to find out who you went to. Kansas city taxidermy. Okay. Yeah. I was looking for his actual name, but his uh, business name is Kansas city taxidermy. He has the coolest workshop too. That's cool to know. We need to go on a field trip. Definitely. I I know, I know a guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I got to get us back on track here because we've, we've gone off on a few tangents and I love it because I think they'll be super helpful to any listeners that are interested in getting involved. But I want to know for you, Sharinda, what's been your proudest moment as a hunter and target shooter? Um, I have three, which strangely um, you would think they were all evolved around hunting, which they're not. Um, my first one would have to be the first time I went out and took a defensive uh, pistol training course by myself mm-hmm. at um, the gentleman's name is Mark uh, Diarjo. I always mess up his last name, but his um, his business name is Extreme Tactical Defense or EDO, Extreme Defense Options or something like that. I just call him EDO. And great instructor fun guy he all he's always involved in the community which was important to me and he gives back a lot of his time and does a lot of things and I remember showing up and he had this steel target that 
I want to say was 35 yards out. And he goes, I want you to hit that target. And I, I tell him, I'm not going to be able to hit that target. That's too dang on far. I think I struggle with, you know, 15 yards or so. And he was like, you can hit. And of course I missed it because I had told myself I wasn't going to be able to. Oh yeah. So we went through my whole course and it was fun. And then at the end, um, you come from behind cover, you bank over to the right, and then you're covering yourself and you're moving backwards. And he keeps a finger. I don't remember if it was on my gear belt or on my shoulder to guide you so you don't trip, mm-hmm. but you're running backwards shooting. And we get to the end of the stage and he goes, thought you said you couldn't hit that target. And I was like, I can't hit that target. And I look around and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you got five shots out on that. And I was like, I didn't think I could hit it. He said, you tell yourself that you can't do something and you psych yourself into that and mm-hmm. get into the moment and enjoy yourself. You don't think about what you can do. You just think about getting it done. And I was like, oh, wow, I never thought about it like that. But, you know, that was my first time going off by myself. I've, I've actually visited him quite a few times. I didn't get to go get training from him last year because of work and COVID. But I plan to pick back up with him because I do love taking the um, defensive training classes. I think those are an important foundation as well, too. The other other moment that I was happy that I did was joining Powder Creek Ladies League and mm-hmm. getting introduced to clay sports. And there's four. So the most recent was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'll go and occasionally get tune-up coaching sessions from John Francis with John Francis Wing and Clays. Another good old guy. Um, love John Francis to death. He's such he's such a he's a community treasure too. Yeah, shout out to John for sure. Definitely. And um, we were when we first got started on my session. I was it was a great day because I wasn't missing anything. And John goes, "Oh, okay. See, I'm gonna have to change some things up." <laughs> <laughs> So we moved over to a different target, a harder course. And, you know, we had a conversation like, how far out do you think that is? And I'm guessing the yardage. And he was like, you know, you're actually right about that. And I was like, oh, good, because I've been practicing on learning how to visually gauge my, my yardage. And, oh, my gosh, that was the, after that, I was like, oh, my God, these targets are harder. And he goes, yep, this is what we're going to start working on. So it felt good to know that, oh, my goodness, I leveled up with John. <laughs> That's awesome. That was a moment. And I think I'd have to say my best and most memorable moment was I met a, a family and hunted with a young lady by the name of Christina Blanche. We call her Sozio at the uh, Kansas Governor Ringneck Classic. Well, I did my first wild pheasant hunt with her. You know, we, we're hunt buddies now. And she invited me to her family's home in January for my second wild pheasant hunt, but first one in the snow. Oh, and wow. totally outside my comfort zone, I drove six hours to her home in the winter with snow on the road. I was the only newbie there that weekend. It was their family, friends. Um, hunt weekend 
Mm-hmm. And I was the only black person, which I find myself usually the only black person at events like this. And it was just, it was so much fun because I got to meet new people. We got to have actual conversations, not debates about minority influence in outdoor and hunting industry, you know, questions, discussions. And it was such a relaxing environment. And then I went out and I did that hunt. And it was so much fun. And I got a few pheasants, solidified our friendship and came back home. And I remember driving that day thinking, who would have thought at least even a year ago from that point that I would be going on a solo hunt without the wilderness squad with people that I had just met a few months ago, having a great time harvesting, coming back, cooking, fellowshipping together. And then, you know, still keeping in touch and making arrangements to see each other and hunt. It was, I think on that particular trip, I felt like, huh, I'm actually a hunter. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's powerful. And I love how your proudest moments aren't necessarily related to a harvest. It's not, oh, I harvested the biggest buck of my life or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that if it was, but your proudest moments are rooted in personal accomplishments, you know, achieving goals you've set for yourself, creating connections with other people in the outdoors. And that's really admirable and cool. Yep. And of course, naturally, I don't have to say just meeting, meeting my wilderness gang. I love those girls with all my heart. Those are my (laughs) people. (laughs) Golly. Yeah. Talk about people that make you feel welcome. We need to, we need to jump into wilderness a little bit, Shrinda, because we're starting to run out of time. So as one of the founding members of Wilderness and the director of community affairs and secretary for the group, you know, we've had Jess Baines and Alex Mosman on a few months ago talking about the group. But for those who didn't catch it, A, I highly recommend you go back and take a listen. But B, Sharinda, would you tell us a little bit more about Wilderness and then how what your role is as director of community affairs and secretary? Yes, ma'am. So Wilderness is an organization that was founded by three diverse women. Our goal is also focused around um, our three, but we love to focus on The education clinics, as far as once you get the education, going out and applying what you learned in the field. Also conservation ourselves. Um, We love to give back to the community as much as the community gives to us. Also creating a safe organization of women where you feel comfortable. Like we, we feel like that when women come to any of our clinics that they feel welcomed and want to come back. And My goal as a director of community affairs is I do uh, outreach to see if we can get people interested that otherwise wouldn't have the exposure, such as women that may not be aware of our organization. I also focus on getting word about uh, wilderness out on social media as well. Mm -hmm. Um, All of us do, but my focus is more on city folks. Well, what upcoming events do you have on your calendar that we can uh, put on our calendars? So we're finishing up bow camp. It was a Mm -hmm. four-part series um, where you went from education to uh, actual archery lessons. Um, We are finishing up our VAP program, which was a family fishing series. Um, We were awarded a grant that was focused on getting um, families not just one person or women, but entire families to come out, learn how to fish on bank, off bank, casting, tying knots, cleaning. Um, They got to do it on a boat 
bank. Uh, and then now that they're completed with the program, they're graduating this weekend. So all of the families were equipped with um, fishing rods, tackle boxes that were filled with everything they needed, well, gift cards to get their fishing lights and parking passes. That way they have no excuses to go out and enjoy this as a family. This weekend, we're going to show them how to clean fish and we're going to cook it and have a fish fry. So I'm really excited about that. We also have our Hunt Her program, which we originally designed it to where we'd host four to six young women on a series of hunts and we would do it by species. But then when um, Alex, she's our little strategist, <laughs> um, she recommended we do it like a badge program. So we're not limiting it to just four to six young women just based off of everyone's schedule in life. If you can sign up to take a species clinic with us and we partner you with a mentor to uh, whitetail, waterfowl, upland, and I think we're still deciding on the last species. Learn how to hunt those species over a period of at least a year or based off your scheduling, we can stretch it out a little bit. And then as you successfully complete learning how to hunt and harvest those species, you get a wilderness badge dedicated to that species like a Girl Scout. And then we have our Go Wild weekend event where the women get to sign up for several classes. They're going to range everywhere from outdoor cooking to hiking, reloading, um, muzzle loading, kayaking, rappelling. It's a plethora of stuff. This will be my first time attending the event. I want to actually be able to attend it because I'll be working it. But it's geared more towards like becoming an outdoor woman. But this will be the first one on the Missouri side and close to home. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and Sharinda, if people want to know more about your events, you mentioned it before, but they can go to your website, right? Yes, our website is always the best because we will email you our upcoming classes. That's the only time we will email you. And it's at wildher, W-I-L-D-H-E-R, nest, N-E-S-S, dot org. Mm-hmm. Um, we also post it on our Facebook page, which is Wilderness, and our Instagram which is underscore wilderness underscore. And are there any uh, membership fees with wilderness, Sharinda, or is it free to join? It is free to join. Um, some of our, our, most of our classes are free or very low cost. And when I say very low cost, I think the most expensive thing we've ever done was a whitetail doe hunt. Mm-hmm. And it was inclusive and a weekend. And I think it was $125. Once you think about it, that's actually very low cost. Yeah. Well, no, it's food and launching and everything, right? Yes, it was. It was a steal. Yeah. We want to, we want to make sure that cost isn't an excuse for not being able to learn activities and get outdoors. All right, Sharinda. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on with us today. You're the coolest. Um, You know, I'm one of your biggest fans. Are there any other thoughts or words of advice you want to leave our listeners with before we sign out for the day? Um, I think the last piece of advice that I have is if you are, uh, especially a woman that hunted in the past and want to tap back into hunting, you know, it's, it's great to do clinics. But find groups that meet your needs. Not everyone necessarily wants to do clinics. Some people just want need the opportunity for someone else to do the planning just so they can go hunt. 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting into the outdoors or into your wild with uh, with what best suits your needs. So, you know, don't worry about what someone else's perception or judgment is of you. All about you and your goals and you do what works best for you and associate yourself with organizations and people that support you in obtaining those goals. Wow, great advice. Absolutely. Hunt your hunt. Well, Sharinda, thanks so much. You gave us a lot to think about. I think you probably inspired a lot of us. I know I feel inspired and all that wisdom, man, I wasn't ready for that this morning. That is fantastic. And I'm going to be thinking about this all day. We appreciate you joining us and hope to see you at one of your upcoming events. Oh, thanks, Tan. I pre- you know, I always enjoy <laughs> anything that involves um, KDWP and you and i can't believe i have some wisdom to offer i'm gonna have to make sure i play that for the family i'm wise (laughs) (laughs) awesome well i do have to say um as soon as we jumped on the call today before we hit record shorinda started hounding me about the she goes outdoors boxes so really quick um we have continued to meet about the she goes outdoors subscription box program we so love the messages that we're getting from you guys in support of that program and about bringing it back Um, We're still kind of in an evaluation phase to be able to determine whether or not we're going to bring it back. As we start moving back to in-person classes, the kind of need and time we have available to commit to that subscription box opportunity dwindles a little bit. So it may be dependent on COVID, on whether or not our events start getting canceled again, and we need to go back to that subscription box format. Um, We're still in the works. We're also in discussion about bringing on some other state partners. So some of you ladies in surrounding states that reached out and said, I love this box, but I wish it was specific to my state. Uh, Stay tuned, because if we do continue the program, it's possible that your state might be joining the She Goes Outdoors team. So um, be on the lookout for that. We'll keep you guys updated on our Facebook page at She Goes Outdoors if um, if you're interested in getting those updates and learning more. Thanks for giving me a hard time about that, Sharinda anytime I could be in harassment to get that program back because that she goes outdoors was like Christmas day every time I got a (laughs) subscription I loved that program and especially the online interaction it was wonderful yeah that was a lot of fun I'm glad you enjoyed it well she goes outdoors family thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to go participate in national shooting sports month yourself So don't forget the best way to stay up to date on She Goes Outdoors episodes is to subscribe. Subscribing is most important because it lets us know that you're there listening and tuning in each week. But it's also great for you, too, because it allows you to get alerts every time we upload a new episode. So no more skimming through a streaming service or scrolling through our Facebook page. If you subscribe today, you can get alerts straight to your phone. I definitely confirm that because I have <laughs> notifications pop up on my phone and especially I can, when I get that notification, I can just hit it, listen to it while I work and enjoy it. Uh, like Sharina mentioned multiple times, everybody's got a life, believe it or not, and life does happen. So um, just in case we ever get a little bit off on our schedule, if we're um, behind on episodes or anything like that. Having that subscription is really helpful because you don't have to wonder when that episode is coming out. Like Sharonda said, it'll just come straight to your phone. Um, so it takes the guesswork out of it. And while you're in there subscribing, do us a favor and rate us and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. Uh, we want to hear what you want to learn about next. And um, so just you know, jump on, give us a review, share us with your friends and let us know. As always, thanks for your support and a huge thanks to the wonderful and talented and wise Ms. Sharonda Burks. 
And to Julia, of course, for editing out all the dumb things I say on these podcast recordings. You to mom, ladies. Thanks, Tana. Thanks, Shuna. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today. Keep on learning, keep adventuring, and we'll see you outdoors. Bye.